Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. As I begin this morning, it's important that we understand the role that expectation has in our life as it relates to contentment. Contentment is one of those words that nobody likes to, to even say. It's like contentment, mostly because most of us don't know what it is. But before I get into all of that, I want to I bring to you the differences between anticipation and expectation. Most of us would use those two words synonymously, that those are the same thing, anticipation and expectation. But if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this in, because this is your first blank this morning. It's about anticipation. And anticipation is considering something before the proper time, before in, the, in natural order, this is what it would, I'm considering, okay? So imagine uh, my first day of ninth grade, I am anticipating graduating from high school, okay? That's anticipation. Before the proper time, in the natural order, it will be coming, and I'm anticipating graduating from high school. The difference is with expectation, it's different because it's looking forward to an event that's about to happen. It's about, see, it's the first day of school in 12th grade looking forward to graduation, do you see the difference? One is far out, uh, way out there. The other one is, I, I'm, I can see it. It's so close, I can see it. And here's what happens. And I'm hoping to get into this this morning. And that is, when we get close enough to it and we begin to see it, we begin to place things on it and say, well, then it has to function like this. And this is what's going to happen. When I finally get there, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And we put things into the expectation that may not be healthy or even right. And I want to deal with some of that this morning. We all know that our lives are unfolding. Our lives don't happen just immediately. It's not instantaneous life, boom, you know, you happen. It's we're becoming something. And some of the stuff that we struggle with, it didn't just start today. There's been this gradual buildup where something happened. I do counseling with people and we'll talk about you know, things going on in their life, whether someone has an affair and it's like, well, that didn't just happen, it, it was gradually leading up to that place. These decisions, we, we look at them as independent decisions, but really it's a gradual process. Our life is unfolding into that. And so that's how we, I want you to see anticipation. It's like, I see something coming. Something is about to happen in my life. Because of this, we have to learn how to be content while we're waiting on the Lord. Because quite honestly, I don't like waiting. I want it, and I want it now. I see what you, I see what you say. This is, the, this is the problem in our culture with sexuality is God promises sexuality. That's, hey, he said, I invented this thing called sexuality, but it has to go in this context. Well, I don't want to wait for that. I want it now. So I don't want to wait for that. I don't wait till I'm married. And so we have a culture that doesn't know how to wait. They don't know how to be content. But as Christians, God is setting us apart. He's saying, hey, listen, my people, 
my people know how to wait on me and know that good things will come, that I'm trying to be good to them. Paul had a lot to say about this. He writes almost the majority, second place only to Luke here in the New Testament. Paul writes so much of the New Testament. Would you open with me to the book of Philippians? Come on with me. If you didn't bring your Bible, I hope you bring it next week. But there's a, a New Testament in your chair back. Pull that up. Open to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians, right? Come with me, please. Paul has a lot to say about waiting on the Lord. And this book, he, he says it in the book of Philippians. Now, keep in mind, this is Paul. Again, this guy's writing, and he is sitting in a prison dungeon. Okay, this is his last letter. This is the final things that he will say. And he's writing to a church in a place called Philippi. And so he says, this is a letter to the Philippians who live in Philippi. And then there's the Galatians. They live in Galatia. The Thessalonians who live in Thessalonica, right? The Thessalonians, right? So he's writing. But in this particular case, he's writing from a prison cell. Letters home. Uh, imagine that, okay? So I'm in jail. And I'm like, oh, I need to write to all my friends in Philippi. And I need to thank them for the provision because they've sent me, you know, stuff for while I'm in jail, you know, it's like sent me some food and sent me some things and, and provisions while I'm here in jail. And so I want to thank them. And he says that all of this, keep in mind, again, he's been sentenced to death. And he's headed for Rome at the time, that's the world power. He's headed for Rome where he is to be executed. And so this is the letter. There's the context. Now you have to read through Philippians where you see him say the word joy 14 times. I'm like, I, 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 right? I'm like, wait, what? Joy? But there's some more in here that I want us to see this morning. Look at chapter 4, verse 11. He's thanking the people. He's thanking the people of Philippi. Hey, thanks for your gifts. And then he says this, you know. I'm so thankful for what you've given me. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need. <laughs> You're in jail, bro. <laughs> you got serious needs. Not that I was ever in need, listen to this, because I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Really? Really, is that the line you're gonna pull right now? Sitting in jail, you're content? No, that can't be. And that's what he says. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And he begins this letter. Just turn to the left. Just one page. It's just one page over. Look at chapter one. Look how he starts it. So he, he ends up over here. I'm totally content with what I got. But watch this in chapter one, verses 19 and 20. Watch this. Verses 19 and 20. For I know that as you pray for me, and the spirit of Jesus, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Rescuer, you're praying for me. The spirit of the Rescuer, Jesus, is helping me. This is going to lead to my deliverance. Did I tell you where he was when he's writing all of this? Did I tell you where he's going when he's writing all of this? May I tell you what happened eventually? He was decapitated. So I'm like, uh, so much for the prayer of the Philippa, the, these, these guys in Philippi. 
(laughs) I know you're praying for me. I know Jesus is with me and my deliverance is coming soon. No, you're getting executed. So much for prayer, sucker. What a waste of prayer. I, I don't know about you, but I know the end of this story. And while it's all flowery and, and, you know, rainbows and unicorns at this point, oh, I'm going to be delivered, it's going to be great. Um, No. No, you're not. That's hard for me. Because there are things that I believe God wants to do in my life. And they're not happening. Dang it. So now what? I'm waiting. Hey, but I know that as you pray for and the spirit of Jesus helps me. Then watch what he says in verse 20. For I, in regards to the deliverance, for I fully expect and I hope that I'll never be ashamed. Wait, what? What what are you talking about? Ashamed that you're going to be executed? You're going to be, where does shame come into all of this? Uh, in, the, in this context, where, where does shame come in? What is he going to be ashamed of? He says this, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past and that I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. The shame for Paul would be in failing because he believed in the wrong thing, in, in where he placed his hope. But I want you to catch the handle that he had that made him unafraid. It's that thing about whether I live or die. Watch what happens in verse 21 and 22. For me, living means living for the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, right? And dying is even better. Catch the context. What? Oh, I'm going to be ex kid? Bring it. That's. That's awesome. Oh, I'm going to live? Great. I got work to do. I don't care about the outcome. Because later he would write, I mean, earlier he wrote, for I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither in the life nor death, angels, principalities, right? He's like, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Hey, context, folks. I fully expect and hope I'll never be ashamed of what I believe in because to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's, that's, his, that's where he holds on to. It doesn't matter whether he lives or dies. He says, I, I, know, I know what's gonna happen here. And when we have that intense anticipation that's it's his expectation his anticipation on steroids right that, that's what expectation is it's like i got this i know what's going to happen but look at the kind whether i live or die i know something good's going to happen something great's going to happen if i live i'm coming out and i'm going to i'm going to be bold for jesus and if i die i'm going home i want you to see his context And if tomorrow comes and nothing changes, then I'm going to build this anticipation back up again where I go back out again, intensely anticipating that then today must be the day because it didn't happen yesterday. I I pray, you pray, and and I can tell you that uh, a lot of my prayers are for sick people, people who are less fortunate, 
uh, our culture, the climate that we're living in, this congregation where I'm leading and shepherding here and pastoring. But, but I want you to know, I picked up on this little, little treasure from Paul. At the end of every prayer, I go, but please come back anyway. <laughs> I, Lord, bless my congregation, bless those who are less fortunate, heal those who are sick and all these other things. But if you come back, that'd be awesome too. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm gonna go home. I can't wait to get out of here. But as long as I'm here, I got work to do. And so I'm gonna continue to do it. And it's this daily process that that's the walk of faith. And that's why we need to read daily the truth because it aligns us, it keeps us aligned. And I want you to hear this, and it's in your notes here. This proper expectation leads to contentment. Leads to contentment. You, you want to be content? Then what we're going to need is some proper expectation. Most of the time, it's improper expectation. I'll get to that in a little bit. If we intensely anticipate the answer is going to come tomorrow, then it makes today enjoyable. Tomorrow's my deliverance, man. It's all good. I don't care about today. Tomorrow, God's going to make it happen. And then I wake up and I go, oh, it didn't happen? Okay, well, then tomorrow it's going to happen. Some would say that's Pollyanna. Some would say that's naive to live that way. The Bible says that's called hope. There's something good and it's coming. This is the life of faith. Expectation brings contentment because we know what's coming. Because he promised he's going to be good. And I want you to hear this. God doesn't change. I know some people say, well, there's the God of the Old Testament, <laughs> and then there's the God of the New Testament. There's a big change in who's in charge in heaven. No. I would love to have that study with you to show you he is the same loving God in the Old Testament that he was in the New Testament. His role with us changed. In the Old Testament, he was the judge. In the New Testament, he is our father. Just because I discipline my children doesn't mean I don't love them as their father. I'm just, they're disciplinarian right now. In the Old Testament, it was, he was a disciplinarian. Still the father. In the New Testament, he's the father. I can't discipline you anymore because all of my discipline's been poured out on my son and I can't discipline twice for the same crime. That's not a just God. And so here's God who comes to us and he says, hey, listen, I, 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 need you to, I need you to walk this out. This is who I say you are. This is what I believe about you. And so this proper expectation leads to contentment. If we expect properly, the problem is we're putting all kinds of our expectations on rather than his expectations. Again, once it gets close enough, I go, oh, then it's going to do this, and it's going to be here, and it's going to be there. Expectation is part of faith. It's the process of maturing faith, and it's not automatic. We have to believe that what his word says is true, and when we fail to personalize it, we fail to experience it. We fail to expect it, but no, that promise is for me. I want to share a story with you that happened several years ago when I first, several, 30 years ago, uh, when I first got into ministry, I was part of a church where um, I, I was sending, my bride and I were sending out letters every month. We were looking for supporters. We were kind of doing the missionary thing. 
and, uh, and uh, we were sending out letters every month, and, and we were looking for people to support us so that we could be in ministry. We really believed this is what we were supposed to be doing, and, and this is the way it worked. The church was very small, so there wasn't a lot of money, and so we just had friends that believed that that's what we were supposed to be doing, and we believed it was what we were supposed to be doing, so we wrote these letters. And uh, every month we wrote letters, and at the time, our income was $1,100 a month. And that was uh, 1987, 1987, $1,100 a month. Our rent was $625. Our car payment was $225. Our tithe was $110. You can see where this is going, right? It, it was like, what are you living on? And so it was by faith. We were living by faith. And every month we were making it. Our bills were getting paid and everything. But this one particular time came. And I, I want to share with you a, a moment that happened for me. Uh, I, we were living in a small little two-bedroom apartment. I just had, we, are, we just had a, a newborn. She was maybe six months old or so. And uh, I opened the refrigerator door. And in the refrigerator there was uh, uh, these stalks of celery, you know, the, 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 like eight stalks of celery and a thing of mustard. Because there's always mustard in the refrigerator, right? <laughs> but that was all that was in the refrigerator. And, and all of a sudden, anger rose up inside of me. I mean, I was angry. And you know what I did? I started yelling at God. Oh, I was ticked. I started yelling, and I'm in a two-story, two, I'm on the bottom part of the apartments, you know. I'm like, and I'm yelling. My wife's in the other room crying, thinking I'm having some sort of faith breakdown, you know, and I was. And, uh, and by the way, God can handle our anger. And I began to yell at God. Yeah, you tell me how the righteous won't beg bread. I quoted his promises right back in his face, threw it right back at him. What now, huh, 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 huh? Oh, yeah, nothing to say, right? Because I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, the throne of grace. And I'm in the middle of this yelling and I'm, I'm crying. I'm, I'm angry because I got a baby, my wife, myself. There's no food and there's no paycheck coming. Our money's gone. And I'm yelling. And front door, I'm like, management, right? I'm like, God, you know, yelling at your wife, are you beating her or something? You know, I'm like, oh man, I'm just wiping my tears away, you know, and I'm like, oh gosh. And I run to the front door and I, I'm like, oh man, I open the door and there's nobody there. I'm like, what the, you know, probably just a neighbor going, hey dude, calm down, you know. And I go to close the door and there on the stoop of our front door is a large casserole dish with hot pads on the edge. It was delivered hot. And I went, oh. <laughs> but, but I want you to see something for a moment. By the time I had realized that God had let me down, and let's pretend for a moment this is Wednesday. I'm having my faith crisis on Wednesday at 11.59 with 59 seconds, y'all. Where God promises, I'll deliver you before midnight, right? And I'm having my crisis on Wednesday. Imagine this for a moment. And this is what happened to me. I got punked, huh? Because you told someone Tuesday, hey, I want you to make a casserole for the walkers. Go to the store and get the chicken and get the vegetables and do all the rice and get all that. Get it all prepared. I want you to do this for them. You're going to bring this to them tomorrow. That, I didn't need the casserole on Tuesday. Here I am on Wednesday having a total meltdown. You have failed. 
Oh. Piping hot. While I haven't even seen the refrigerator yet, someone was sticking it into the oven. I haven't even, I haven't even had the revelation that he's let me down yet. And he's already providing. But it wasn't to my expectations. He should have done that at 11.30 before I started yelling at him. Do you understand? My expectations are God has to do it this way, the way I like it. And again, when you need some help running the universe, I'm available. Let me know. I can give you a few hints on the mistakes you've been making in my life. But we have expectations. And we hear these promises from God and we go, well, God promises this and he promises this and he promises this, but I don't get it. How can I? Again, I believe we have to personalize it. No, this promise is for me. He said this for me. He promised to be good to me. He promised to provide for my needs. That's why, you know, you, you do the exercises of like, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is, you know, doesn't hold grudge, right? No, I read it, Marty is patient, Marty is kind, Marty doesn't hold a grudge. I have to personalize it so that it goes, oh, this is the standard that he set for me. I have to personalize scripture and say, this is for me. But some people have a difficulty personalizing because they feel unworthy. Yeah, you know, my past lifestyle, I, I don't deserve God's promises. Guess what? Nobody does. That's why it's called mercy. That's why it's called grace. None of us deserve what we're getting. Listen, if we got what we deserved, we'd all be dead. But it's mercy, it's grace poured out on us. Others have been sick all their lives, emotionally, physically, they've struggled. And they see the trouble in their lives and they go, yeah, there's, there's just no way I can personalize that. That's, that's not true. I mean, God's, I know you read God's word, but try reading my life and I could show you where that's not true. Some people believe that God heals, but they have a hard time believing that God heals them. Well, yeah, God heals, he just doesn't heal me. But there's your next blank. Expectation comes when we believe that God's will is found in God's word. I want you to hear this. God's word is his will for my life. And that's tough. That's a tough one. There, is, there are mountains of disappointment in this room. Huge disappointments. We thought it was going to go a certain way. We were sure. We prayed. We prayed and God's spirit was with me for my deliverance. And they died. And they're still sick. What, what do you expect today? What is your expectation for today? From God, with God. Proverbs 23, 17, 18 says this. I used to envy sinners. This, this was my problem. I used to envy sinners. And look how good they got it. At one point in the Psalms, it says, I would envy sinners until I came into the house of the Lord. And all of a sudden, my mind goes, and it aligns and goes, oh, right. They got it good here, but it's not going to be good eventually. 
I used to envy sinners. Listen to what he says. Don't envy sinners. Continue to fear the Lord because you're going to get rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. And as much as I have been disappointed in this life, and I have been disappointed in this life, death has come, finances have been lost. I mean, I've got disappointments, but they are, and, and please know, they're the result of failed expectations. You've heard me say this. Disappointment is the result of failed expectations. You have disappointment? Go ahead and look at wherever you're disappointed and go, oh, yeah, because I really expected this to happen. Right when it was close, I thought, oh, it's going to do this. This is what it's going to do for my life. And I placed my expectations on it, and then it failed my expectations. But what are you expecting in your life? I'm telling you, that's what you're going to get. Many Christians expect the worst. They expect bill collectors. They expect layoffs because I'm always the one that they let go. I was in this job and then layoffs come and it's always my department. That's the way it's going to be. But just like meditation, just like meditation, there are two kinds of expectation as well. There is negative and positive expectation just like there is negative and positive meditation. Negative meditation we're all very familiar with. It's commonly referred to fear or worry. Right? That's negative meditation. Oh, man, we're, how are we going to pay the bills? Oh, what's going to happen with this relationship? Oh, man, my husband walked out. Is he going to come back? That's negative meditation. Fear, worry. But that's not what we're called to do. The Bible calls us to positive meditation. Coming from the same book, here we are, sitting in a prison cell. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Brothers and sisters, while I'm sitting in this jail cell, while I am awaiting the end of my trial, I've already been sentenced to death, but while I'm waiting my execution, he's ending his letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, what is right, what's pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Marty Walker did not write Philippians because it would have sounded very different. Well, thanks for never visiting, slackers. You know, I'm here to die, right? After all I've done, after all I do. You know what he says? Make sure you focus on the right things. Think of things that are admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Listen to this. It's so good. He says, this is where we have to focus. And you know, it's really cold in this dungeon, by the way. If you could send a blanket on your next care package. No, he's in jail, awaiting death. And then he says this. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything that you have heard from me and saw me doing then. The peace of God will be with you. God's peace will be yours if you think on the things that are worthy of praise, if you think on the things that are good and right and lovely and admirable, if you think on these things and you put them into practice, the things that I showed you how to do, I'm telling you the God of peace will walk with you and that is what I'm after. That's what I was desperately seeking that day in my apartment. No money for diapers, no money for wipes for my six-month-old baby, no food for my wife. No, I'm like, come on. And I took my eyes off of him. And I started looking at my circumstances. 
But Isaiah tells us, those who keep their eyes on him, he will keep in perfect peace. Problem is, I took my eyes off of him. I left the alignment. Negative expectations, your next blank, is rooted in past experience. That's why. I've had enough past experiences that I'm telling you, my expectations, it's going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad. Someone who's prayed for healing several times and didn't get it becomes disappointed, and you know what they end up doing? They stop praying. Why even pray? I prayed for healing. I prayed for this thing to go away. I prayed for the doctors giving wisdom. I prayed all that. I got anointed. I fasted. I prayed. I got the elders to pray for me. I did everything Scripture said. It didn't happen. So why pray? Why even continue? Sometimes our expectations become premeditated resentment. If you, if you flip this over on the back, and it's in, your, it's in your app as well, most of the times the reason our expectations are bad is because we've done several things. They are unrealistic, they're unspoken, they're unclear, or they're non-existent. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what is a poison, what is a cancer in our humanity is when we remove expectations. Some of the smartest people have said some of the dumbest things. Things like this. I don't have any expectations. That way I don't get disappointed. Like, ugh. What a way to live. You remember the old drapes we used to put in front of our, our windows? You know, the drapes that you, you pull on, and we go, you know, pull them together, you know, and they whoop, like, they don't do those. Now it's all blinds and stuff. But, see, joy and sadness function like that. Everybody who tries to medicate sadness away, you're also medicating joy. You won't be able to be happy. I, in fact, I challenge you to this. I challenge you. Go ahead. Find that person who says, yeah, I'm not a crier. I don't cry. I guarantee they're also not a laugher. They might giggle. They'll, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but they don't laugh. Because when you medicate away pain, you say, I refused. I can't deal with the hurt. You're also then pushing away the joy, the possibility but the people who laugh hardest are also the people who cry hardest. They're one and the same. You can't have joy unless you risk the pain of sadness. But because I don't want to risk sadness, I don't want to be sad, I don't want to be sad. Push, 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 push. Well, watch, as you did that, joy went this way. Have you ever expected God to not be good to you? I have. I'm telling you, man, it was, it was terrible. Negative expectations. It's, it's a product of repetitive past experiences, man. I used to go to vacation going, oh, I'm going on vacation. Oh, vacation, please let it be over before it starts. I don't want to go on vacation. Because I had several vacations that were just, they sucked. It was terrible. It was bad. And so I just was like, oh, don't make me go on vacation. And you know what would happen when I'd get on vacation? It would still, it was terrible. Because that's what I expected. Vacation's going to be the spirit of Eeyore. It's a bad thing, right? <laughs> okay, thanks for noticing me. Lost my tail again. Uh, you know, you know it's that, and I show up to vacation, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be terrible. 
Because I had enough in my past. I was, that was bad. And then, and then I went on that vacation. Remember when I had to go to the hospital? And then went on vacation and she broke her leg. And then went on vacation. And then I had to go to the chiropractor. And I, I, I was laid up the entire time we were gone. I remember it. I'm like, man, don't go on vacation. That's a terrible place to be. <laughs> Stay home. Nobody breaks their leg. <laughs> the other next blank is that positive expectation is cultivated. Please note that past expectation right, that is rooted, but positive expectation is cultivated in a future experience. It hasn't happened yet, but what could be? God could do this. There's a hope placed proper expectation again. And again, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not talking about name it and claim it, market and park it, theology. Don't, don't go down there. But I do believe that people can turn around their negative outlook simply by changing their focus. Focusing on that which is true and right and admirable and lovely and pure and worthy of praise. You can change the way things look in your life. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. Watch this. For our present troubles are enormous. They just continue to go on and on and on. No, 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 no. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Clearly, he has not seen my life. <laughs> Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, and it's going to last forever. That's the kind of troubles you have right now. This is nothing. Let's keep going. Watch this. He continues on. So we don't look at the troubles. Remember what he said earlier? Focus on the things that are lovely and good and beautiful, right? We don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Faith is the, thing, is the things that are hoped for. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now, the physical, the tangible, the relational, the financial, the medical, the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Would you like your challenges and adversities to become small and temporary troubles? He says, then focus on these things. Are you tired of being robbed of joy? Paul refers to these two realms of truth. There is a physical truth. There is, it, is, it is true. There is a physical realm. But there is also a spiritual realm. The seen realm, or the temporal realm, the temporary, the here today, gone tomorrow realm, is where truth can be validated through our senses, through experimentation, through observation. I can tell this is what this is. But he says, listen to this. If you want your afflictions to be light and momentary, you don't look at that realm. Because that changes. That changes all the time. Things that you thought were going to last. I had expectations. You know, this isn't where I thought I was going to be. When, 20 years ago, when I first got married, I didn't think this is where my marriage was going to be. You know, when we had kids, this isn't what I thought they were going to turn out. Like, what Who did that to them? <laughs> oh, that was me. And the word here, he says, focus and fixing our gaze. You catch that? To study it, to look closely at it. 
Don't look at the negative circumstances. And listen, that's not to say that we don't have to take responsibility for the natural arena. It just says don't focus on it. Don't stay focused on it. Don't fixate on the negative. Instead, we're to look at the unseen realm, the realm of the spirit. And this is hard, I realize, because, again, many people in this room, you have experienced unprecedented disappointment. And that is painful. I have my own list of disappointments. That I, ex- I expected this would be different. Wow, that's not the way I thought that was going to turn out. Marriages, families. Man, I, I thought for sure. I mean, I'm turning X amount. You know, I, I should be married by now. You know, and I, I, mean, I had these expectations. Thought I'd have children. I grew up. I had expectations. I'd have kids. I don't have kids. And I'm telling you that in the realm of the tangible, in the realm of the touchable, in the realm of the experimentation, the realm where you can shift things, we're dealing with a lot of things that change. But here it is, because I want you to catch on to this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If, if you put your money on me, please don't. I'm going to change. I wish I could tell you I was going to stay faithful. Today I'm faithful. I hope, hope to make it tomorrow. Pray for me. Pray more for my bride. Man, it's, it's rough. Being me, that's a rough thing. And I've made it this far. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him. I'm going to keep on the prize. But I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing tomorrow. I don't know what's going to come out of my face. But I have to look at the unseen realm. Where do you find that? Where do you find the unseen realm? It's your next blank. The Bible is the revelation of the unseen realm. Anything to do with heaven, hell, God, the devil, life, death, it's all part of the unseen realm. These are the truths that are eternal. These are the truths that don't change. So we need to look at God's word as the unseen realm. The physical world is temporary because it's subject to change. It's going to change. The economy is going to change. You do know that, right? Your, your tires, I keep saying this, they're going to go bald, right? You know you're going to need new tires, right? Why aren't we saving for tires? We know. The car's going to break down. You know the dryer's going to go out. The water heater in Santa Clarita with our hard water. You do know that, right? Why don't we have a home repair budget? I know that. We'll see, because that it's all it's all due to change. Anything that we can see, taste, touch, feel is subject to change. It's gonna change. Change, however, in the physical can happen when we embrace the spiritual by faith the spiritual truths of who we are in Christ. This is who God says I am, and I'm standing on that. He said he wants to reveal his good, pleasing, and perfect will for my life. I'm standing on that. Not, I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm not sure. Once we've gotten our mind off the natural circumstance, 
our next step is to fill our minds with the word, with the truth, aligned to that. And we fill our mind with the Bible, instead of all the negative circumstances in our lives, our troubles actually become small and temporary. We go, yeah, this is passing. This is nothing. Think about what you were worried about last January. We lessen life's intensity and we can enjoy waiting. You know what? God has me here. He's got something for me. I know he's going to be good because this says God wants to be good to me. God is pursuing me with goodness. He wants to be good. Yeah, but we prayed for Aunt so-and-so and she died anyway. We prayed for the cancer. We prayed for this and it's still not, you know. It's important that we learn how to cultivate a positive expectation because that's where our faith matures. We have to know, Lord, what are you saying? Expectation enables us to be content with today. I can be content today. It helps us to gracefully wait with what God has for us. But we have to have proper expectations. What has God's word said about my life? What has God's word said about how I'm living my life? And now I have to align to that. Let me pray for us. Father, there are many expectations we have, some unrealistic, unspoken, unclear, some don't even exist, but they're expectations, and when they don't get met, man, am I disappointed, and that's heavy. In fact, in Jesus' name, as we take these 21 days as a congregation, we're praying and fasting for healing. There are people here who need to be healed of disappointment. It's hard. It's rough. I, I am so disappointed that my life is whatever it is. My relationships are whatever they are. My finances have become whatever they've become. And so I pray, Father, would you comfort your people this morning? Comfort them in Jesus' name. And as we sing these songs as a reflection of our faith, of our hope, this is where we placed our hope. Would you align our hearts in Jesus' name? Let it be so. Let it be done.